0: Amen. You may be seated. All right, interesting gospel passage, isn't it? Jesus, uh, he sounds like he's talking about washing hands and eating food and Jewish law. And yes, on one level he is, and on another level he's going much deeper. You know, see, the law and the eating customs would apply to the Jewish people of the time, but... What Jesus is really talking about applies to all people, everywhere, all the time, even this morning in this room. It may apply to you. So, let's look at what he says real quick. One day, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus, and they noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand-washing before eating. Now, does anybody else have a ritual of hand-washing? Anybody else have to wash your hands before you ate, growing up, come in from playing? Right? Well, it's for different reasons than why they did. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they've poured water over their cupped hands, as required by ancient tradition. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. And really, the word says, till they violently scrub their hands in water. This is but one of many traditions they've clung to. You know, Mark is wanting us to know. He he realizes not all of us are Jewish people from, you know, 33 A.D. So he's telling us what's going on. This is but one of many traditions, such as their ceremonial washing of cups and pitchers and kettles. You know about that, right? No, that's okay. You don't have to. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law asked him, Why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. And what this is like is it's kind of like, you know, Jesus and the disciples have gone into Chick-fil-A and gotten it to go, and, and they're out at the picnic table, and, and they open it up and they just start eating. Can you believe it? It's craziness. They didn't go and wash their hands violently in anything. They just started eating. All right. Um, the Pharisees knew the law. And, and, and the law had things to do with, you know, where this kind of comes together, is the law had things to do with God wants people to be clean. And really, God wants people to be clean inside and out, Right. So he says, okay, let's teach object lessons wherever we go. Before you come to worship me, I want you to be clean. And you can start getting the lesson by, I I want you to to wash your outside before you come and and worship me. I want you to be very aware of what you might have touched. Like if you touch dead things on your way to worship God. You might be thinking about dead things a lot while you're there. I don't want you to do that. I want you, if you touch dead things, you got to wash it off. Don't come before me for a while. I want you to get the picture that somehow I'm a God that wants you to be clean. Right? So the, the Pharisees, they knew this, they get it, and but they started making it about other stuff. They're like, okay, all right, well, if it's a good thing to be clean before God, then then it's a good thing we better be clean all over the place. And here's, here's where it got kind of weird, okay? And it got weird in the question that they asked. The reason that they wouldn't eat before they washed was because if they brushed up against somebody, like, who wasn't Jewish, who was unclean, that maybe had done... Unclean things, and and they their picture in their mind was like you can get sin cooties. Oh. I'm serious. Anybody, did you ever talk about cooties in school? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. All right, because if you don't know, this is going to be the weirdest thing you've ever heard. All right, I don't want I don't want to get a call from the bishop. Brooke, uh, were you talking about cooties? <laughs> yes, bishop, yes, but Okay. Alright, but it's, that's what it's like. I mean, if you touch a sinner, his sin cooties might get on you. And then if you eat, the sin cooties will go inside you. You gotta wash that stuff off. That's what they were thinking. They're sin cooties. Okay. Jesus saw, we gotta teach an opportunity here. <laughs> I need to speak into this a little bit. So, um, we know that there aren't sin cooties. We have a category that we call germs, right? And that's why we wash our... That's probably why your mama had you wash your hands. Because of germs. And, And if you're on your way to church and your mama caught you playing with a frog that you just caught or something... She'd probably want you to wash your hands before you go to church, right? All right, so there's a reason for some of this. But this category, I'm telling you, it's not about germs. This category is about sin cooties. So Jesus says, okay, i got to say something about this. Jesus replied, "You're you're hypocrites. And then he brings up Isaiah. Isaiah had written something down like 750 years before. And Jesus says... That thing that Isaiah wrote, you know, we've read it in church before. That thing is about you right here, right now. Isaiah was talking about you guys. Okay, so this is what he says. You're hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. And this is what Isaiah wrote. It comes from, if you found it in Isaiah it's chapter twenty nine, verse thirteen. He said, These people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. They're trying to do things right on the outside, but their insides are messed up. This isn't a sin cootie issue. This is a heart issue. And because they don't even recognize it's a heart issue, their worship is a farce. They teach man-made ideas as commands from God. This isn't a rules problem. It's a heart issue. He goes on. It's what comes from inside you that defiles you. You don't become a sinner by eating sin cooties. Can we all say amen? amen? Amen. Out of... From within out of a person's heart, that's where you, that's where comes evil thoughts and sexual immorality. Theft, you don't get that from eating with dirty hands. That's in your heart. Murder, that's in you. Adultery and greed and wickedness, it's in you. You don't get it by brushing up against somebody. And deceit and lustful desires and envy and slander and pride and foolishness. That stuff's in the heart. It's a heart issue. It's not a cootie issue. We'll get there. These vile things come from within. That's what defiles you. Can you imagine being told... That one of the greatest prophets in your history, who wrote 750 years before, was writing about you? And that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, this is such a big deal, that God is so concerned about you and that you get this right, that he laid the groundwork 750 years ago. Because he wants you to know, he wants you to get it, he wants you... To get over the cooties. Evidently, God is really concerned that our hearts get right and not just our behavior gets right. We like to to point at behavior, don't we? And it's not that God doesn't care about behavior. God cares very much about our behavior, doesn't he? Aren't, aren't we going to face Him one day and be judged on our behavior? We're going to be responsible for our behavior. You're responsible for what you do. And, and saying, well, well, they made me do it. No, that doesn't, that doesn't hold up. That's like saying you got sin cooties from them. No, you're responsible for your behavior. But if you think it's just a behavior issue, you're mistaken. This isn't a behavior issue. Yes, it is to one degree. But where does the behavior come from? The behavior comes from inside of you. And if you just try and deal with the outside, the behavior, and you don't deal with the inside, you've missed it. The important thing is you've got to fix what's broken inside Otherwise, it'll never get totally fixed on the outside. It's that the behavior is a symptom of the heart. Y'all probably know that. I mean, don't we know that intuitively? That behavior is just a symptom of the heart. That, that what's inside comes out. I mean, we, we see it. We see all the time that people can do the right thing, but it's still somehow just wrong. And have you ever seen a, an employee who? I mean, they they can check off all the boxes about they're doing their job, but they're not doing a good job. They they don't care. They're not. They're. It's like their heart's not in it. You know what I mean? Or or I mean, we watch. We make movies. We spend millions of dollars making movies about things like. Um, The husband who spends all of his time working and bringing home the money and buying the stuff and taking care of the family, but he's not there. And and does that go well? Have you all seen movies? Does it go well? No, it doesn't. He's doing the right things on, on the outside, but there's a problem there, isn't there? You know what I'm saying. The athlete that practices and runs all the plays, but, I mean, they're not passionate about it. You know, they're not, a, it's like they could, they could be the best player, and they're not, even though they're doing the right, you know what I'm talking about. And too much of the time, we're just not taught about the heart. I mean, we're not taught about the heart in church even, and if, I mean, it would make sense that we are, so today we're talking about it. But we're taught that it's about our behavior. Sit up straight. Don't talk back. Open your Bible. Go to church. Don't pick your nose at the stoplight because people really can't see in the windows. <laughs> it's about your behavior. But the, the problem is we're, we're just not taught about the heart enough. And when the Bible talks about the heart it, it paints a picture that your heart is the deepest part of you. We're not talking about the organ in your body. that. Do-goo, do-goo, do-goo. That's not what the Bible is talking about when it talks about the heart. It's the deepest part of you. It's, it's, it's deeper than your thoughts and philosophies and insights. It, it's that part of you that feels the pain and the joy in the elation and the ache and the longing and the peace it it's the part of you that responds to romance or to fear or to passion or dreams and still small voices it's that part of you that is so deep within you that it cannot be separated from you that's your heart now, your mind has thoughts and, and inclinations, but the heart, the Bible says, also has thoughts and inclinations. And, and that's why you can be conflicted inside. It's like your mind tells you not to, and your heart says, oh, but I want to. Now, I know you all don't deal with that, but you've seen it in movies. <laughs> and we don't often think about our hearts but we should. I mean, don't we talk about our hearts this way? And this is John Eldridge talks, uh, talks about the heart. And I thought this was marvelous. He said, we describe a person without compassion as heartless. And we urge him or her to have a heart. Our deepest hurts are called heartaches. Jilted lovers are broken hearted. Courageous soldiers are brave-hearted. The truly evil are black-hearted. Saints have hearts of gold. If we need to speak at the most intimate level, we ask for a heart-to-heart. Light-hearted is how we feel on vacation. And when we love someone as truly as we may, we love with all Our hearts. But when we lose our passion for life, when a deadness sets in which we cannot seem to shake, we confess, my heart's just not in it. In the end, it doesn't matter how well we have performed or what we have accomplished. A life without hearts is not worth living. For out of this wellspring of our soul flows all true caring and all meaningful work, all real worship and all sacrifice. Because it is in our heart that we first hear the voice of God. And it is in the heart that we come to know Him and learn to live in His love. So you can see that to lose heart... Is to lose everything. Doesn't that sum it up? Don't you resonate with that? Don't you know what he's talking about? When you know something by heart, it's because it's become a part of you. It's not just here. It's here. And somehow the life that we live is constantly threatening to separate us from our heart. To fit in, you might go against your heart. You, you, to get the deal, you might ignore what your heart is telling you. And woe be unto you if you find that your heart is weak or unstable. Or wicked, or duplicitous. What do you do? What can you do? What could possibly be done when your heart is like that? We think that our main accomplishments come because of our behavior. We reward good behavior, we punish bad behavior. All that is, you know, there's, that's not wrong. But does that get to the heart of the matter? We don't merely have a behavior problem. Behavior is the symptom. Just because you decide not to act out And lash out in your anger right now doesn't mean that the tide isn't building up behind you. And it's either going to break through the dam or come over the top in the future. You can't cut off the water flow, you can just try and stop it from coming out. You can't stop the addictive behavior because it started on the inside, it's not just out here. We have a heart problem. The man last week who shot 12 people at the landing. Yes, his behavior was abominable. It's a tragedy. But it wasn't just his behavior that caused the problem. Do you really think that he came into that with a good heart? Or did he come into it with a wounded heart or a black heart? It started in his heart. And he's responsible for his behavior. And I say he is responsible because even though he ended his own life, after that you have to face the Father. You have to face the judge who's going to confront you about your behavior. Your behavior matters. You're responsible for it. I don't know his story But I'm sure that his heart was not in a good place beforehand. And it's out of the heart, Jesus says, that even murder comes. Now, the wisest man in the world, probably besides Jesus, Solomon. You ever heard of Solomon? Solomon had something to say about the heart of And out of all the advice that Solomon could give, and and Proverbs is mostly what he's writing to give advice to his sons and his daughters. He wants his kids to get it. And he says this thing. He says, this is the most important thing that I can say. Above everything else that I say, you listen to this. This is it. This is what it comes down to. Above all else, guard your heart. Because it's the wellspring of life. Proverbs 4.23 Above everything else, I want you to get this. Guard your heart. Why? Because your heart is, is that part from which everything on the outside comes from. It's like a it's like a wellspring. It's it's the weirdest thing. I I know how gravity works, and then I'm up on top of a mountain, and there's water coming up out of the ground. There's a spring, and water comes up, and then it flows down the outside. It's like what? How does this happen? You know, gravity. It shouldn't, but it does. Your heart is like that. You don't think it has the effect on your outside that it does, but that's where it all comes from, and it's could be bad stuff. It could be good stuff. Oh, Lord, let it be good stuff, right? Because we have enough trouble with our bad stuff. You might be in here this morning, and people, you're in trouble because of your behavior. You're looking and saying, oh, I've got to change that behavior. And you're right. You're in trouble because of your behavior. Yes, you do have to change that behavior. You're right. But don't just try and change the behavior. You've got to get in and shut off the river. You can't just try and build a dam because it's going to bust through the dam or come over the top or around the edges somehow. It's going to come out sideways. Because the problem started way upstream. Whatever's in your heart overflows in your life. When your heart is self-centered, you show it when your heart is broken or bruised or fearful or abused you act in ways that reveal it even if you try and cover it up and when you're having trouble because of your behavior you might not care you you, you might not even want to change Or even if you do want to change, you find out you can't because your behavior isn't the source of your problem. You might think if I could just change my behavior, then they wouldn't ride my back or I'd be able to get out of debt or we wouldn't fight as much or whatever. But the problem is it doesn't start there. It starts in here. You can't put it behind you. You can't shake it off. You can't leave it in the dust. It keeps coming back. And you know it's true because you've tried it, haven't you? I just, I'm not doing that anymore. Dang it. I did it. And is it just me? Problems in your heart. God told Isaiah that 750 years before Jesus. The Lord says these people say their mind they honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. The good news is God wants to heal our hearts. The good news is when God God revealed that he was going to start a new covenant and the new covenant was not going to be about I'm going to whip your behavior into line and you're going to toe the line. That's not the good news. The good news is I'm going to give you a new heart. real problem in your behavior it's in your heart but he told ezekiel 2600 years ago he told ezekiel this is what i'm going to do i'm going to give you a new heart i'm not going to give you new rules i'm not going to just increase your want to by making it worse if you don't. I'm, not, I'm giving you a new heart. I'm going to put a new spirit in you. I'll take out your stony, stubborn, broken, black, disappointed hearts, And I'm going to give you a tender, responsive heart. You know what? God cares for your heart. So consider, just think about this for a moment. Just forget about the other people in the room because they don't matter. I'm, I'm talking to you, okay? Consider for a moment what's going on in your heart. Where's your heart broken? If you're not sure, look at your actions, look at your behavior, and see if you can trace it back a little bit. Where did that start? Why do I feel that way? Why do I have that reaction? Why can't I stop that no matter how hard I try? Why can't I start that no matter how much I want to? Why? Where did it come from? What's in my heart that's letting that out? Where is your heart broken? Or hard? Or aching? Or black? Or where have you lost hearts? Now God wants to give you a new heart. He wants He wants to heal that. It only comes through Jesus, giving away the secret. but here's this isn't a bad place to start after you take communion you can walk out those doors and just go across the room there are people there every time we have communion there are people over there that are there to pray for you about whatever you might need prayer for today it might be your heart and they're good they've been trained at it that you know they're not going to embarrass you they're confidential they don't even tell me what's going on. But being able to come before God with somebody else, even if you don't have the words maybe they do, and saying, oh, God, this new heart thing, I need that. And whatever words you can put around it. it's There's something about getting together with people who can pray for you and with you. and That's, that's not a bad place to start. And so after you take communion... Just slip right out the doors, go over there, let people pray with you. And this week, just it's it's hard. It's hard to get away from all the noise that we have. I think one of the reasons we have so much noise in our lives, and we're always listening to the radio, watching TV, doing the games, and Having the phone and doing the... I, I think one of the reasons is that if we ever get quiet, we start to hurt. We start to have things coming up that we just don't want to deal with and it's just easier to, to browse. One of the healthiest things that you may be able to do is, is just get away from all of that. Put it aside, turn it off. Whether you're inside or outside, whether you go on a walk or sit in your chair, whatever you do, get quiet before God and, and say, Okay, I, I want to look behind the dam a little bit. What's there? And God will come and start to reveal it. And it's safe. Whatever He shows you, it's okay. He'll start to reveal something. And He's only doing it because it's time. To deal with it. And you can offer it up to Him and start watching Him transform you. This, the, Expect it to take a little time. It's not going to be done by the end of the service. It's not going to be done this week. But it can be started. And it's okay if it takes a little time. You're safe. You're safe with Him. Because He loves you enough to give you a new heart. And not berate you for your behavior. And if you're willing, then you'll find that God does give you a new heart. So let's pray. Lord, we recognize that you told Ezekiel that you will give people new hearts. This is your good pleasure, O God, to do it. And more and more, we're, we're folks, and we live among the people that need new hearts, oh God. But start with us. Start with me. Start with each one of us sitting here. Start now, oh God. Even now, there, there's some folks that are peeking behind the dam. Even now, there are a few of you that, that see the leaks coming through the holes in the dam. God wants you to know that he is with you. He is for you. He loves you. And through Jesus, He will heal you and give you a new heart. So, Lord, let it start today. Help us to to just to let you do what only you can do. And thank you, O God, that you're the God who chose to suffer with us so that you could free us from those things. Thank you. Jesus, that you've made a way where otherwise we wouldn't have one. Give us new hearts. All for your glory. Amen. Amen.